Did anybody win the lottery? Okay. Wake your ass up. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's gonna happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. It's uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what. If you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you, no, I bet not say you're not a man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Well, just like Steve Sarkeesian, hey, I think Hardball Hards, Big Mike, and I, all gas, no brakes for episode 54. We're about to dive into Texas football and Sark's hires in segment two. And, um, you know, as we always do, we welcome all new listeners from across the globe, France, Guam, Australia, and a new one, and Jay May. Hardball Hards, Big Mike, have you guys ever been to... Jay, Maine. I, geographically, I have no clue what part of Maine that is located. I thought you were talking about somebody that we, you just met named Jay May. I don't no, know who that I, is, but it's Maine. I thought Jay right? May was like in Vietnam or something, to be honest. <laughs> right. I didn't know what you were saying. Jay, nice. Jay Maine's a fine American, I promise you. But, I've, been, uh, I've, been, <laughs> yeah. I've been to one uh, – one, I've been to Maine once, dated yeah. a girl who was from uh, Boston. Boston. Went up there and cruised around. But now I don't know where Jay Maine is, but hey, dude, thanks for listening. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Thank thanks you. For Keep it up. Hot, hot it out. I was uh, in, uh, I've been in Portland, Maine before. Portland, Maine. Been, yes. Hey, that's actually a beautiful spot from what I hear. It's unbelievable spot. It was where the, at the time, it was the double A uh, town and club that was affiliated with the Miami Marlins. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Miami, Miami Marlins. So. Yeah, and it's kind of weird because you're like, why would they have a team in Portland, Maine? But they had a lot of talent there and, and yeah. a lot of good players. And one of them was uh, Renteria, the shortstop for – Edgar Renteria. Yeah, Renteria. Yeah. Dude, that's impressive. I love here. You know, the minor leagues baseball stories, those are some of the best stories because of the – the journey, the pass taken, the bus, bus rides in the lower uh, – low A, high A, even double A. We can get into some of those stories one time. Yes, we do. I was going to say, yes, I've, I've partied do. with some of those uh, Frisco Rough Riders before. Those, those <laughs> stories are impressive. Epic. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, you can find us on Twitter, at Stories Man Cave, and uh, hell, interact with our latest post about our glory days in football and baseball. A younger Big Mike with blonde streaks. Uh, skinnier Mike. I was way skinnier. skinnier. Oh, man, that is debonair, suave, GQ, way back, back in the boys, NSYNC inspired. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was early 2000s, correct? It was the tips, baby. It was the tips. Yeah, them fucking frosted tips were fire, though, frosted right? Like, come on. <laughs> they, they didn't really – you know, you moved from, like, Boise, Idaho, which is like a semi-big town at that point. It's got like 100,000 yeah. in it. To Hutto, that's got 1,200 people in, in the small town Texas. They're like, what the fuck does this guy have on his hair? I'm sure I was called many things behind my back. <laughs> actually, actually, that was in that style back then, the hairstyle. So there was nothing odd about it. That was like the mullet back in the day. Like now it's the mullet. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm trying to work on one and just not working for me. Uh, let's see your photos from your playing days. Ladies, gents, from your playing days in high school, preferably at Stories Man Cave, jump on that thread. 
Hey, before we get started, shout out to Todd Dodge and a back-to-back state champion, Westlake Shafts. Pretty big deal uh, up at Cowboy, AT&T Cowboy Stadium. Really shocked. They had 16,000 people there, and it looked like 500 because everyone was so spread out, and the Texas High School Coaches Association had a nice little fiesta in their suite. But big shout-out to Westlake and Todd Dodge and his son Riley, who uh, he did defeat from South Lake Carroll. Guys, let's talk hey, before about – Before you get into it, yeah. before you get into it, you, you actually was a spectator for the first time in your professional career. You oh, my God. As just a normal guy that wanted to watch some high school football, been covering it for a long time in different states. And I was just curious to what, what, what stood out to you being just in the bleachers and listening to fans and not talking to anybody on the sideline to get those shots. What was that like for you for that first time experience? You know, that's a good question. Um, the thing that was unique about it, I don't think – I got the full experience simply because they're literally, um, since it's an NFL stadium, they have social distancing down to an art. I mean, it is perfect. They're really, you, you really didn't interact with many, but seeing it from that vantage point in the atmosphere, even though there were only 16,000 in a uh, huge stadium, it was quite, it was quite an experience. Yeah, I saw it from a different perspective. It's even different from, watching us say like a Texas football game at home. It is much different, but you could feel the energy. And you, some of those kids I remember when they were freshmen, some junior high, you know, and you're seeing uh, Ewers and uh, uh, Klubnik and some of those guys. Speaking of that, I'm going to cut in. Yeah. Because last week we talked about, you know, at the very end of our podcast we said maybe, maybe Klubnik's going to be better than Ewers. So you were there. Give us the give us the you know your take on actually. Yeah, give us the skinny on that, man. Yeah, Can't man. Like who who would you rather have as a Texas fan? Well, I'll say this: you were statistically, if you didn't watch the game, you were had a great game, statistically. Uh, however, Klubnik to me had the gamer football player, like the guy that has it. If in, like, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about. Has the it factor that both sides of the ball were sparked by. Klubnik, I think he's evolving every year to a better football player as a quarterback. He has a pretty good arm, fellas. He really does. And he's smart. And he is not about himself. I don't know enough about yours, but I think that game, if you want to take stats and overall performance and mesh it all together, I think Klubnik was the better QB. But Ewers statistically had a great game. Klubnik just makes everyone better on his team on the field. Nice, nice. And I, uh, I know Mike reached out and told me, he was like, dude, you were right about Klubnik. He's just, <laughs> a, he's just one of those guys that is a, a player and – the thing that I liked about him most in that game was not necessarily the way he was throwing the ball. It was the way, like you said, Sean, he was rallying his team and he made his team go. Yeah. Like when he hit the corner, and people don't know this, he, he runs the 200. And, like, he's a sprinter. He doesn't have a ton of wiggle, but if he beats you to that corner, it's going to be a tough time trying to catch him because those guys from South Lake Carroll had angles and they couldn't close the gap. So I was quite impressed with the way that he balled out. 
I agree. And, you know, if you look at the guys around him, I mean, he's got great house, that, that sophomore receiver who's going to be a stud if he continues to the trajectory that he's on. And everybody told me he's a better basketball player than he is football player. So think about that. That's amazing. I heard Todd Dodge has to recruit him every year. Come on. Well, you yeah, can yeah. play both, but come back to us. <laughs> the, uh, the one thing that I think is going is severely underrated, Westlake's offensive line was massive, and I have not seen an offensive line in high school drive a team to the caliber of South Lake Carroll in a state championship game, drive them off the ball every offensive series for Westlake. That's what really stood out to me about that game. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good to hear. I just wanted to get your perspective because I know for most of the time you got a camera in your face and oh. your eyes are looking at everything. You're trying to clip it. You're not really getting an opportunity to enjoy it. Yeah. So as a fan, you got an opportunity to enjoy it. So I was just curious to that. No, that's a good question. Awesome. The cool. All right. Let's talk fucking let's talk some staff, man, for UT football. I'm pretty pumped about this. Yeah. It's uh, I'm glad you said that, Mike, because you being a Boise State guy and a guy that grew up in the state, uh, that new defensive coordinator who I'm not even gonna try to play with his name. <laughs> uh, I can't. Coach K. Coach K. Coach K. Uh, yeah. That, I mean, he's a Boise State guy. What are he's, you, a, he's a North, he's a Pack Northwest guy, man. So he's yeah. from Boise. Uh, I actually, you know, went to games and watched him play while at Boise State when I was like five, six years old. Nice. Uh, Did you really? And then, yeah, man. I mean, like I was born and raised in Boise, so I mean, we, that's all you had was Boise State football. And this is back when we were like Division Two, man. Like going up against like Randy yeah. Moss and Marshall when Marshall was like Division Two and stuff. Um, but yeah, so. You know, he was a little bit before Randy Moss, but basically, you know, he's when he came back, he left and he started coaching right after high, right after college, and then left and went off. But he came back with Doug uh, Chris Peterson, so he was actually the defensive coordinator or on the defensive staff when they beat Oklahoma um, back in '06, like one of the greatest games of all time behind the the Rose Bowl. And then uh, when he took over DC, man, he's crazy. Like he's good, good, and the talent that he's had um at you know UW and how he's a top five top 10 in every almost every category turnover points holding on yards turnovers yards per game hasn't given up 35 points and like since what 2014-15 I might be off on that but I mean he's doing that with three-star recruits guys three-star recruits maybe a few maybe a few four stars not a lot of five stars go to Washington he's coming down to Texas he doesn't you know that's what they say like he's not a great recruiter he doesn't have to because once he's there, you get the players. The players want to come and play for him because he's like, I'm just going to put you in the draft. Yeah. Like, look at all the people I've got in the playoffs and the draft, the whole nine yards. Dude, it's a – it's I was – I would have been highly disappointed if we didn't get him. I, I kept checking all the message boards on – shout out to Horn Sports, even 247. Uh, was checking all of them to see what, what was going on. But it was uh, it was pretty exciting, dude. I think, I think this staff he's come up with. Thoroughly impressed. So let me ask you this. I know, I know everyone's talking about being impressed and what's going on with the staff and the changes that are happening. As a overall staff, and we go back and we can, you know, we can look back at history of the hires that were made, and we can start with Charlie Strong. Obviously, Charlie Strong 
was hamstrung because of the fact that Steve Patterson was not the most supportive of, uh, of, of uh, athletic directors. Then Mike right. Perrin comes in and he tries to make things better. And then all of a sudden Tom Herman comes in and hires buddies instead of bringing people in. When you look at what Coach Sark has brought in, the recruiters, the, the people from, from uh, Alabama, from Washington, from Notre Dame, uh, from Ole Miss, is this the who's who of college coaching staffs? Is this something that, as a recruit, you're looking at and you're saying, wow, I might want to go play for those guys. Does this tip the meter for those guys that are on the fence for 2021 that are still about to sign their letter of intent for February? I mean, does this change the meter for you, Sean? Uh, I, I think, honestly, to both of you, and I, I, I know it's all good to, for us to have different opinions, but I think we can all agree on this. I'm not going to say they're the who's who, but I say they raise the meter on the recruiting landscape. These guys have skins on the wall. Uh, there is a balance. Because uh, I, hear, I hear this a lot. Well, they don't have a lot of ties to Texas high school football coaches. Well, Blake Gideon, his dad was a coach. You know, and he was a Longhorn. Uh, you have guys who have recruited this state. I mean, look what Alabama pulled off this past year. Almost every a handful, six players who were the tops, two or three at their position. Um, Sarkeesian is smart in that because he obviously coaching in Alabama has a West Coast lean, surrounded himself with people who have that street cred, so to speak, in recruiting and who are able to jump in this Texas high school recruiting front and are connected nationwide as well as Texas. So I think to answer your question on my side, it does raise the meter in recruiting on this front. And I think development, their resume speaks volumes in that department. I think, yeah, I, I agree on that. Here's what I think. I think, one, this is the first time we've actually, as a fan base, looked at a staff and said, holy shit, like we actually have a solid staff. Agree. We have somebody that's going to be able to call plays. You got a defensive coordinator that actually is like known around college football as the top, top three, top five, you know, defensive coordinator in the country. Putting you, people in the league. Putting people in the league. Yeah. Putting people in the league. So automatically, you're like, cool. Now I know that. And what's one of the biggest things that people are always frustrated with in the Tom Herman era? That people weren't getting taught and they weren't progressing and the players weren't progressing. And there's no, like, evaluation process of where they're growing, growing, growing. Like, they're almost hitting meters. So that's, that's huge on the fan base side. As a program side, if you're a player, you now, instead of having all these other coaches bringing in a Sean Watson, a Todd Orlando, you know, half the team – that wasn't or half the coaches that hadn't even been in power five before um, or much less like played, you know, coached in it. So you now as a recruiter, you're like, cool. These guys come from programs of Alabama, Notre Dame, both have been in the college playoffs the last like two, three years. Yeah. Um, you got people from Ole Miss who's been in the sec. You got Gideon, like you said, who was in the sec, who's gone from non power five to power five to now back to Texas, who did play at Texas, whose dad's a high school coaching legend. So that's something I'm going to endorse. Let's not forget, you still have Andre Coleman, Stan Drayton, and Byron Carrington who are still on staff. On top of that, Oster Giles is an analyst. So you have people that are still in the program as well who can then be say, look, guys, we're recruiting. Yeah, we, we got new coaches in who may not be great, 
Yeah, sh- shut up, Siri. Uh, it may not be great, but I'm talking. Um, but the, these guys come from winning programs, and where, let us tell you why you need to come to Texas now and how it's going to be different versus yeah. the past staff. So I think all in all, and then on top of recruiting, man, like you got five-star offensive tackles who are like, finally, I was just offered by Texas. I've been waiting for this offer. Like that Herman and them weren't recruiting and weren't it's, – it's crazy. Yeah, that has got me fired up beyond yeah. fired up because – how do you not, even if you gotta make them tell you no? Yeah, right. Yeah. You gotta you gotta make them tell you no. So when that happens, and you continue to look at the failures of the previous staff, that's frustrating yeah. to me. That, yeah. And, and, yeah. and you wonder why people are so upset. That's why. How do you not yeah. offer the number one offensive lineman in the country? You lost the Brockemeyers. Okay, we understood that, but that. That's embarrassing because they're legacy. How yeah, are you right. not doing everything in your power to bring that to you? Remember, and this guys, is the thing that, go ahead. Yeah, hang on one second. This is something to go with that. A lot of the times the, the Herman staff was, you know, talking to people on the inside. They, they didn't want to offer the number one kid because they might lose the Brockermeyers. Well, fucking Alabama just signed the number one and number two tackles in the country. So clearly that's not an issue. If you're like, hey, we're bringing in your, you as a left tackle and then you're going to play, you know, you either going to play right tackle or guard or, we're, you know, whoever's going to happen. We're going to put the best five on the line and you guys can build this line together instead of hoping that you don't lose out on the Brockermeyers and then when you do, you don't have a fucking fallout plan at number one. You need to be, you know, and this thing too is like Mac used to do it. He would just, he would offer and offer. It doesn't, it's okay if they say no. The Herman right, was like, we're right, going to offer. At least offer, offer. Like, we're going to offer the kids in, in the right, you know, we're going to check them out first. And, you know, we had Jay Bowler on Jay Bowler is telling us like on the party. He's like, you know, we, we do, we do the evaluations. We do this stuff. Yeah. That's great. You want to evaluate because you want to make sure you get the right players, but some of these players are dogs, man. And you need to just offer to even just have an opportunity because you never know what might not happen. I mean, come on, man. That's, that's the part I was going to say right there. Herman he ranted and raved and was so proud that if you look at statistically during recruiting, we, if we want to use the term per capita, we only offered X amount and this is how many of them we got. Well, in my opinion, that strategy, even though Mac did kind of use that at times, um, you've got a blanket (laughs) offer your top players and your state at every position. Let's say top three evaluate to you're not you're not going to want them just because of the ranking but offer kids offer them all and give more than one don't worry about hurting another player's feelings and i'm starting to believe right now mike what you just said about um the offensive line i don't think that was a herb hand deal i think that was a recruiting deal based on herman's philosophy i love the reason why he got fired yeah i would love to have a beer with uh byron carrington just have a beer oh, off the record. Yes. Won't yes. tell anybody anything, but just tell me what really <laughs> just what, what, what really is going on when when Herman Taxi Cab Confessions right? with Mike like, Yeah, Murphy. right. Like I, I appreciate you not putting bags, money in McDonald's bags and handing it to players. Like we appreciate that. Seriously. The real UT, right? You guys are crushing over there, Knoxville. <laughs> um but in all honesty, yeah, guys. I mean, it just is a glaring it's glaring, but I also feel like when we offer these recruits now that are the top in the state or the top in the country, 
they're actually going to listen because they see Steve Sarkeesian and his offense. And then they're going to be like, okay, I've seen what the defensive coordinator's done. And then it, it, it'll trickle down to, all right, who are my position coaches? How do I feel at the school? Does it quote unquote feel like home? It's like every, every recruit says that. Yeah. Oh, I just felt like home. Felt like home. No, bro. It doesn't feel like home. You just, you saw an opportunity where you thought the girls were hotter here than they were at fucking, you know, banging their cousin in Arkansas. I don't know what's going on, but <laughs> I mean, we had a mind. Get speak real with us, but I just, man, I mean, it's energizing. It's energizing. And here's the thing too, you need to think of all these players. Now, if you see them on Twitter, they're like hashtag all tag or all gas, no breaks. Like they're, they're already buying in. Yeah. They're already buying in. Okay. We've been here long enough. You, when Mac was hired, there was an instant infusion. Uh, what did you guys feel when Charlie was hired and when Tom was hired? I was a little more confident when Tom was hired, but I never felt it. I never felt it completely. But this one, I'm not, I'm not going to go on the limb and say championships, but I feel good about the direction, and I feel like there's going to be things put in place and achieved on every aspect, every layer of the program that has not been addressed or achieved in quite some time. Well, I was, I was, I, I was excited about Charlie. Obviously, African American yeah. coach coming to right. the University of Texas. Um, I saw what he did at Louisville, but I was never, I was never in the. He's going to take us to the top right. class, right? I was never in that group because I knew the recruiting, I knew the situation, I knew how things were were shaping up. Uh, Tom Herman, I was never on board with him because he seemed like an arrogant a-hole. And I didn't, I didn't feel he respected the program yet. Uh, I know he talks about he was a graduate and he, he, he was under coach Mac Brown. And, and I was like, yeah, man, I hear all that. But you coming in like you've got a trophy that you won and not Urban Meyer won when you were there. And and as time went on, he proved to be what we thought he was when we first – he's exactly who we thought he was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's exactly who we thought he was. But to your point, Sean, this guy, Coach Sark, comes in humbled. He's been through something. Mm -hmm. He's lived a hard life. And don't forget, he was the wonder kid early. But then you watch what he does with the hires. You watch how – He's meticulous in what he was doing. And I know I've got a bunch of Aggie friends that are like, oh, man, y'all are just taking all of Alabama's coaches. Oh, well, for Aggies, you should be happy. That's how it works. You be happy. You should be happy that we're taking them. That might help you. But you still got to go against Darth Vader and <laughs> Nick Saban. So be cool and let Texas do what Texas, is, what Texas should have been doing this whole time. Yeah. Because if you, you talked about it a second ago, uh, Mike, you talked about if you want to be the Joneses, be the Joneses. Don't right. be the Johnsons where you're just trying to go through. you the next door neighbor to the Joneses, but your house ain't as big. <laughs> sometimes you, you get their house, packages, you know what I mean? Right, sometimes you get their packages. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, no, I got I like Man, that. this is a nice chandelier I got. <laughs> It's in my house now. I'm the Johnson. Oh, our letters were so close together. <laughs> it's mine now. Sorry, I, just, I thought I heard this. I just wasn't sure. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so with this coaching staff, I'm 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 in with it. And like we've talked about, and 
We've talked about the fact of being cautiously optimistic, being united, let them do what they need to do to build the program. And then if they're not where they need to be in four years, then we're riding. But I, right. I think it'll be Maybe less four than Four years? That. Jesus. No, I'm just uh, saying. I'm, I'm, we're going to go faster we than that, there. but we got that. Yeah. Because don't forget, yeah, we did win out. seven games. We did win so seven that was games. My, yeah. That was my – yeah. That was, that's what, that was going to be my next question to you guys. With this coaching staff and how, how everybody's pumped up about it, does that buy them a little extra time to get their systems in place if they have an off year, if they aren't winning 10 games out the gate? Or is, or is it you're like, all right, we're going to give you one or two years. You know, this is a, your first year because the staff is elite versus having, like, Charlie come in. And I agree, like, wasn't given everything, but also he was, like, the 10th option. So, yeah. like, everybody knew, like, you're like, man, we're not going to fucking do anything. Like, whatever. And then – seeing that you could have James Franklin and Franklin went to Penn State. Now Franklin's not doing shit now, but he had him up there in top five for a while. And then Herman coming in and you're still looking at his staff, like can Todd Orlando's defense be elite? Can Herman, is Herman calling the plays? I don't know, man. I, I, I'm willing to give Sarkeesian five years, five years, given the Dabo Sweeney treatment and say, Hey man, we're going to trust in you and, and, to build this up and you've got the experience and you've got the Alabama ties and you're more mature now. And let's see what happens. The, you know, an extension of that, just the simple answer is I think honestly, the members of the fan base who matter. And what I mean by that is the ones who understand the program, understand how a program is built. I think everyone's humbled. I think everyone involved in the university administration who has been tied to this since the Mac Brown years has been humbled as well. And I think for the most part, just through a couple of things I've heard, because I'm not as connected to those people anymore who are the decision makers, uh, the boosters, I think they've been humbled and they understand the we're Texas really doesn't carry any weight. It's not going to buy you wins because we're Texas. So, I think everyone's been humbled and they're going in the right direction. They've got the right guy who's hiring the right people. They're investing money and they're looking for a return on investment. And they know that a return on investment's not going to happen in three years. But Sark said it best. He said, the cupboard is not empty. There, there, are, there is a lot of young talent here we can win with. And he doesn't think it's going to take as long as some people think. or maybe." he thought initially, but I think five years is the rope, the length of the rope you give him. And, but I think he's going to have an extension in probably year four. And that's probably when he's going to have back-to-back nine, 10 win seasons. I said it's seven, it's seven and three uh, last year. This league is wide open. And I know a lot of people are going to have Oklahoma as one of the top football teams in the country because of what they have coming back. They lost a lot of players, too. Like, they, yeah. they got people that transferred out that are going other places. When I look at this University of Texas football team, a lot of the problems that we had in those games was coaching, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. They should have won. They could, they could have been 91. They could have been 10 and 0. Could have, should have, would have. There was dang coaching mistakes along the way. And I think the way that Coach Sark, the way that the staff thinks – they're coming from the SEC. Majority are coming from the SEC. They're coming to bang people's heads. 
They are coming to make changes. And to Mike asking, do we give him enough time? The difference is going to be this. They're going to have an offseason this year. The implementation of the new offense and the new defense is going to actually have an opportunity to take place this spring and this summer. So it changes that. Last year, he made the mistake of hiring all new people and trying to put in a brand-new offense and defense at the time. Yeah. That was, that was bad because nobody knew COVID was going to hit and the repetition of the plays were not going to be able to be done. This is going to be different. So for Coach Sark to implement his offense, for Coach K to implement his defense, it's going to be easier than it would have been if we were still dealing with the COVID. Now, we're obviously still dealing with it, but the kids are back on campus. They're getting tested regularly. Uh, we got a vaccine that is coming out. There's, there's different circumstances to which these kids are going to have a chance to truly show that they adjusted to this stuff. I'm excited about the fact. I'm truly excited about what can be. Yeah. But as I said a little while ago, I am cautiously optimistic and I'm not putting too much pressure until I get an opportunity to see what's happening with this team. Well, the defense, from what I read and from what the little I've been told, is is going to look very similar to what we've seen as far as scheme-wise, somewhat similar to what we've seen the last – like last year, for example, under Ash. There's going to be a lot of similarities. So there's not much change there. Probably philosophically it's going to be a little different, more, more fundamentally sound. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And that's what we got to look at. That's what we got to see. I'm excited, man. I can't wait to see, you know, they, they're saying that he's going to be in the transfer portal a lot, right? Um, well, Hell, a lot of our I mean, players he, are in the transfer <laughs> portal. <laughs> right. But the question is, like, does he go in and try and, and say, hey, look, give us a shot and stay one more year. I know you get a free year of transfers. You can automatically go play wherever. But the ones that left, I mean, think about it. We got – we got that Thornton kid out of uh, LSU. LSU. Who, who Texas, played. Baby. He played, man. He, yeah, he's from Texas. Uh, coming home. Like, there's going to be – and there's going to be kid. I mean, there's going to be kids that are going to want to follow some of their coaches, probably from Alabama, and, you know, that aren't – that may be lower on the depth chart and see they can come and play right away at, at Texas. Um, I'm kind of curious, too, to think, like, you know, is it Caden Stearns and uh, Brennan Eagles and some of these guys that have opted out? early are they like kicking themselves and say damn like i should have stayed because now we got sark and man they might be good next year right so i don't i don't know i doubt that um i bet you they're just kind of ready to move on to the nfl but um i think i just i'm so pumped dude i really want to see how the recruiting is going to go and see if he can flip anybody and you know the end of this cycle before i mean let's and i'm not listen herman didn't always offer everybody but he had top 10 classes every year yeah but Agreed. it's time Agreed. to get back. It's it's time to get back to top five classes every year, where we're having the number one, number two, number three classes, and then, you know, making sure they're progressing in their talent. I, I I do I agree with that as well. But I also something that Herman did a little bit of that I think you at, that Bob Stoops was really good at Oklahoma with was finding two or three guys who are just straight up football players that don't really raise the meter when you see them in the recruiting rankings and they turn out to be 
two and three year players, like significant playing time or starters. Look for those diamonds in the rough that some are being overlooked to a really true hard nosed football players. They had a few. I mean, Sam Cosme, yeah. uh, you know, Williams was a strong guy. Oh, I mean, they, they found Connor Williams. I mean, they found some diamonds in the rough, right? Um, but are those diamonds in the rough? You can still find those three, two, you know, three, four star, two star guys. And, you know, people are like, why are you offering that guy? Like, because we see something in this yeah. kid. And then you can still have the majority. I mean, let's get back to the day where we're getting like four, five, six, five stars coming in every, and then everything else is four stars. That, that's what I want to get back to. The Mac Brown days when you had five or six, you know, fucking five stars, you're like, these guys are just gonna, we're going to fucking feast. If you have that every year, look at Najee Harris who sat and waited and was, you know, probably thought about transferring, but then was like, you're coming to Alabama, you're going to have to wait, but this is why you're going to wait. We're going we're gonna to train you and get you up to speed. Your time will come, right? Kids are going to be like, Bijan Robinson's here. Look, if you're, we're going to get you on the field every once in a while, but you're going to wait your turn. Your time's going to come, though. Build yeah. a stable, man. Build yeah, a yeah. stable. Build a stable, and that's, that's a good point. And, you know, everybody, like I said, microwave society, everybody wants something now, 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 now. But at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, did you get better? Do we see growth in you? Mm-hmm. Do we see you making that move of un, untapped ability to, that dude is a raw dog. He is eating it up, you know? I'm excited to see that part of it. That's what I'm excited to see as well, so. I guarantee you who's pretty excited is, uh, and I cannot believe it's taken this long, for our guy, Kenneth Sims, to finally get inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Gentlemen, why, in your opinion, do you think, outside of politics possibly, does it take for somebody who was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft out of Texas, I believe it was 1982. 82, 1982. How does it take that long? And he, and he had a good NFL career, was on the first Super Bowl team with the Patriots. They got manhandled by the Bears, but who didn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, wh- how does that – How does? I mean, I know College Football Hall of Fame is not a big deal to everybody, but it is a big deal. Why does it take that long for someone from a marquee program, and I'm not being biased to UT by saying this, why? Why would you put together guys who have who stopped playing, who are still playing in some ways, before him? I'm going to tell you, man, look, 1980, he was a consensus All-American, unanimous. 1981, consensus All-American, unanimous. Uh, Lombardi Award winner, UPI, College Defensive Lineman of the Year. And – he still has records that are at the University of Texas. When he was playing at Texas, he was behind Mongo, Steve McMichaels. Yeah. He, he used to call – McMichaels used to call him Pup. And if you know Kenny Sims, six foot six, 265 pounds of uh, baby Hercules, uh, when, when, when you are that talented and was a track star, played linebacker, played running back in high school, I mean, just – just a guy from the country, man. Pride of Crossback, baby. Yeah, that's right. He's a goat. <laughs> and I call him the goat because he is the goat to me. And he's one of the nicest, 
guys out there, you wonder what it was. What, like you said, Sean, maybe it was politics. Maybe every year that he was up for the uh, chance to get into the College Football Hall of Fame, he was going up against someone from Texas as well. So they weren't putting people in at the same time. Just like when V.Y. went in, he was, he was up for that during that time as well, and he didn't get in that year. Obviously, V.Y. is V.Y. That's why he got in. And then you look at Dan Neal. Dan Neal is, was on the ballot this past year with yeah. Kenneth Sims, and Dan Neal didn't get in, and everybody calls him the greatest pulling guard in Texas football history. I mean, yes, there's a lot of politics, but r- what's right is right, and I believe that him getting in right now is what is all right in the world. So I'm excited as hell for him. He's a good, dear friend of mine. Uh, he's from the 254. Back then it was the 817. But he's from the 254, and he's one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to be around. Yeah, I've, I've only been around him th- two or th- three times, and uh, I have to say the same thing, man. Energetic, great energy, and great stories. And we will talk more Texas football, but make a transition to Shaka's boys and his ever-growing fro that he needs not to cut until after the Final Four in March. Segment two is on the way of episode 42 on the other side, episode 54 on the other side of this break. Big ups to the ATX area and all who helped RBI reach their annual fundraising goal at the year's end of 2020. Hey, this is Sean Clench, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave, and I'm also a mentor for RBI. It's an organization entering its second decade and continues to make a significant difference in the lives of 1,295 inner city kids through baseball, softball, and a mentorship program. Over $85,000 was raised in the year-end fundraising drive. And coming up on January 28th, our annual Now at Bat Dinner and Silent Auction will take place at the beautiful Dell Diamond in Round Rock. ESPN baseball reporter Pedro Gomez will emcee the event, and Sam Acho will be the keynote speaker. To reserve your table or purchase a ticket, visit rbiaustin.org. Well, some good interaction on our Twitter handle at Stories Man Cave. Uh, Big Mike, Hardball Hard, Jan Coach Mo, we all and myself all submissions from our high school glory days, gentlemen. What uh, when people look at those pictures? What was going through your minds at that time? What what? How did you view the world and your chosen sport, being football and baseball? I'm a bad man. <laughs> girls. Girls are what we're going through my mind. Girls. Straight girls. Hey, ladies. Girls and women. That's it. Hey, ladies. What's up? <laughs> and then after I graduated, it was, where's the party at? That's yeah. what I was. Yeah. That was me uh, through and through. Uh-huh. Well, the funny, what, the funny part about it was when Sean said some of us had hair. At that time, <laughs> now, now I feel for you guys. He's a balding brother right now. Balding, so. follically challenged. You know, back then, 
I hate, you know, I hate admitting this, but no, I don't, I'm not afraid of it. The beast was a big deal back then. Old Milwaukee or Milwaukee's best. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what you could afford back then or somehow, somehow got your hands on it. Sorry, mom, but she knew (laughs) she's not dumb. Uh, had older friends, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. I'm not gonna. There's a certain um, gas station <laughs> above Mopac at that time in which certain cases would uh, you would exit the building with those and into your vehicle mysteriously. Mysteriously, <laughs> no one's being incriminated, they were paid for. Yay, yay, yeah. But uh, good times, we'd love to see your. Glory days and tweet us on that stories, man cave. And also since we cross promote, we do it every week for our guy, the fill in guy, hards, ball, hards, the hards, knocks life podcast. Check them out. It's on every podcast uh, profile or platform. If you will, hards real quick, a tease on what people can expect in your latest episode. Well, as usual, you know, we try to keep it 100 just like we do here. And right. I'll give my unique perspective on a lot of things from football, basketball, baseball, a lot of Longhorn conversation, uh, some of the things that are happening in my life. And, you know, I got a family, so it's always interesting to see what they're going to be doing when they jump into my conversation sometimes. So we have a good time. But I I enjoy my time with you guys. I'm thankful that y'all have welcomed me with open arms into this family and I'm glad to be part of stories from inside the man cave. Hey, we are. It's, it's uh, adds another element. Now I know Big Mike, you are all on board, and I I, I am too. On Shaka's current team, man, he, they're doing a phenomenal job. They went through a little adversity, but responded with a nice blowout, I believe, of Kansas State. Now we're dealing with COVID issues. There's potential they could, I think, play four straight road games to end the season my question to you is your thoughts on that and should there even be a big 12 tournament i think you should just give us the title fuck baylor right um <laughs> full disclosure we're all thinking it i'm just saying it uh nobody likes baylor sorry baylor fans, but you got you guys ruined that when you were like we were here to stay and you had old our brows, and then we all realized real quick you weren't here to stay because you got to do some shaky shit. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think. I mean, you're gonna make UT close out four road games because they can't have because other schools are having problems with COVID, right? I mean, I get it if it's us, but I mean, wasn't it TCU was the reason that they didn't come down because they had an outbreak? And Iowa so, State too, right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Iowa so, I mean, State like, was last night. Was supposed to be last uh, on Wednesday night, and uh, and TCU was supposed to be Saturday. So both games got postponed because so of COVID. Have, so next game is like Oklahoma, and they've got Oklahoma like a week and a half to prepare January, for that. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, on Tuesday. So like you got like a full week to prepare for Oklahoma. Like that's good. That's and good, then, man. You better win it by thirty. But yeah, it's <laughs> oh, not very good. Well, I know. I'm just saying in general. Um, but I think they're this team's solid, man. I mean, they came in like they didn't cover fucking assholes um, uh, <laughs> against Kansas State. But just kidding. I don't do that stuff. Um, 
at the end of the day, we got fucking, walk, fucking walk-ons coming here, like throwing up three-pointers into the game, you idiot. You're already up by 18. The spread's 17. No, you're fucking roll. Hey, you're there to play defense and look like an idiot. <laughs> Just kidding. Love my guy, uh, you know, Schwartz up there in Waco. We got to have him on as a guest. But love our walk-ons. Really cool to see him score. But when you got, you know, money on the line, not a lot, but you got some money. <laughs> Let's play smart, fellas. Let's play smart. Look at the scoreboard. No one ever watched blue chips. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I, I don't know, man. This team's good. The question is, I mean, are they a one seed? I bet they're a two seed. I, I think give them at least a two seed. I don't think a one seed, but I mean, here's my thing. They didn't have three of their best players who normally play a lot. And then you got people like uh Kameka coming in and just draining threes, you know, the emotional leader. What a cool fucking kid. Yeah. Kid is like great head I'm on his shoulders. Good. He's a team guy. Maybe doesn't get to play a lot. That that kid came in, balled out. I'm just, I was proud of him, man. They they showed up. Now that they did what they were supposed to do to a weaker team, yeah, which is great because in years past, you would have played to the competition, right? So, I, I like. What yeah, they I think give them a two seed and move them to. I mean, I doubt we have a Big Twelve championship, and if they do, just kick the teams out that that didn't meet it, right? Um, Baylor's probably going to win the conference. Let's just be honest; they're fucking. They look really good. Uh, really good. But I think we give them a run for their money, hopefully, and then go in there and get a two seed and work your way. But what's going to happen when we get to the tournament, fellas? If the same thing's happening. Are they going to, like, postpone? can't postpone tournament games. And if you do, like, do you wait a week and then they play? That, they, that screws up everything. That's the bubble, the, Indian, the entire Indianapolis uh, metro area. I, I forgot how many gyms, gyms. Uh, arenas they selected, uh, but that's creating that bubble, so to speak. And but that yeah. it, that that doesn't mean that they won't have uh, COVID cases. I, that's a good question. Do you extend it deep into April? They they have put up they've put up uh, precursors for this, so they've they've tried to plan it out, and that's why they're creating this bubble atmosphere to make sure that this happens. Um, back to what you were saying about the team. The one concern that I have about this basketball team is the the length or the size of our of our guards. When that Texas Tech game, when they lost at the end of the game, when they were playing reckless at the end of the basketball game, one of the things that continued to happen was they were switching. They switch everything, which makes we you switch lazy. every fucking time. Yeah. No. Every time no. we switch. I know, and that's got to stop. That's got to stop because it creates so many mismatches and I don't know about you, but watching the Baylor bears, everybody that's on that court looks like a mismatch when it comes down to it. Because if you're going to try to switch those guards in those posts, it's going to be a problem for Texas. And if you're not a good shooter, it's going to change too, because they can push you out and because they run a two, three zone that's extended. And if Texas doesn't shoot the ball better, it's going to be a problem. So I'm excited. Everybody keeps telling me you need to be more positive because you're critical. I just call it like I see it. And yeah. Mike's emotion right there just made me understand that I was 100% correct because you, got, you can't keep switching. You've got to fight through those screens to right. get to your man. See, the that's, thing that's – That's the thing. The, the thing is, I, I firmly believe this. There are not – there may be two, maybe three other teams in the country 
who I think are like Baylor. That's it. I think Texas, uh, their free throw shooting, they've got to get to 70% to win. Because, yeah, as you guys all know, it's about guard play and free throws in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's well, that's the yes. thing, too, man. They hit their free throws, they beat Texas Tech. Like, let's just be real here. You beat Texas Tech. Hell, Sims alone went four for ten. That dude, that dude hits four more points. You win the game. You're up. You're 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 up. Hit your free throws. Like I, it is the when my when my son's here and he starts playing basketball, the first thing we're doing after we work on his jumper and actually the form is every day you're gonna go out and shoot a hundred, two hundred free throws. And I'm gonna stand right there and I'll just feed you the ball back. Feed it. And you gotta make you got to make fucking, you know, 80% of your free throws. So, or we're not, or we're out. And then we'll start to do like, you got to make a hundred in a row or we're not leaving. But people are like, oh, what a piece of shit, dad. No, I'm a sports dad. So at least I'm out there with my kid. What are you doing, guy? <laughs> guy. Do you know what? I'm already like, he them. isn't even here yet. And I'm already like ready to go off on people. Talk uh, to him. Talk to him now. Talk to him. Preach. Now. So yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you got to make free throws, man. And stop switching. Listen, everybody who's played basketball knows you go and you go in front of the screen. Don't go below it. Why don't we go below it, Mike Harge? Because it's lazy. You need to fight through because that dude's gonna step up and shoot a three and drain exactly. it in front of your eyes. Quit being nobody lazy and then you're trying to fight jump through it. Fight through the screen. And then if you get through the screen, you're playing great defense. Usually you and then that even might even call a moving block right there because they try to throw that hip out. Man. Hey, Big Mike, Big Mike, show the Twitter world how to not go under a screen again. Listen, guys, so if we're here, hands out. You got one hand up. Why do we have hand up? You're down in a chair, one hand out, because that way you're, you're, you've got to – you know where he's going. Also, you look at his hips. Don't look at his head. Don't look at the shoulders, because then you're going to get thrown. Look at the hips. Hand out. When that screen comes, you step around the screen. Why? Now, all of a sudden, you're here. And you're around it. Instead of doing this number, like, oh, he's there. Take him, take him. And all of a sudden, this guy's switch, like, switch, switch. You, don't even, you know where he's at. Now, all of a sudden, we're doing, like, reverse dunks on alley-oops behind us. We don't fucking know. Speaking of which, shout-out to Ramey and Simzo. That alley-oop off the backboard was pretty. Well, shout-out, guys. Hey, Come Jeff, on, guys. I'm was, out of breath. That was good. That, that was uh, part one of your Hire tutorial. Me. Hire me. I can do this. I mean, I was – I don't want to brag, but I was back-to-back champs, special fourth graders out in Coleman, Texas, man. And I didn't, they didn't even know what the hell – second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Put, just go to your spot. We were playing a zone. We played zone. Just go to your spot, guys. Get down. Go to your spot. Speaking of box – and, Box and one. Why don't we run a box and one? Why don't we run zone? Why is it in this zone? Why do we run a switch? I don't understand. That is not going to win you a championship. Hey, man, we're still, got, we're still, we still got good numbers right now. They're going to work through it. Yeah, I, yeah. I understand that. And now, now people are going to be like, God, just find a reason to bitch, Mike. Listen, I'm well aware of how I'm impressed and happy and proud of this team. Let's just take it the next step, right? Don't settle. Don't settle. How can we get better? How can we get better? That's it. That's all this is. That was a good one. You should be, ask yourself every day, how can you get better? Every day. Maybe I maybe I won't drink so much tonight. That's that's where you start. In all honesty, guys. It's a small step to for humanity. Yeah. It's one, a, one step yeah. for mankind. <laughs> one small step. Um 
So there's the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Unfortunately for Texas, Kentucky is awful. I never thought I would see that in, in this era. Of I think it's time. good for Texas. <laughs> you think? Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Well, so that's is true. Duke. So is Duke, man. Oh, they're out of the top. Duke and North Carolina not in the top 25 for the first time in years. Uh, both of them aren't in. Night, not all saying. three. Kentucky. Duke and North Carolina all are out for the first time since 1961. Trash. What do Horrible. people in people in Kentucky are calling for? Old uh, what's his name's head, man? They're like Patino. he's out. He's Patino. He's, Patino, no, Patino, but, uh, Patino. Calipari. Calipari. Patino. Oh, oh no, Calipari. Yeah, Calipari. Yeah, he's yeah. Fucking Patino's at Iona. You don't even hear about him. Yeah, no. Got to hook, get back in. Fucking it. hookers dancing from the from the you know, <laughs> top of the arena, you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> hookers in the top of the arena, like you guys got it. What you need? There's a pole up here. Ooh, good dunk. Good dunk. <laughs> oh my gosh. Fucking Patino. Patino's oh, over there, like God. speaking Italian to him now and shit. Oh my god. And then, then his son, who one of them has a son who coaches at Minnesota, right? Isn't that Patino's son that yes, coaches in Minnesota? Yeah, Patino's yeah. son. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, Duke's downfall occurred last year when SFA beat that ass in uh, Cameron. I knew that was coming. Yeah, you knew. Didn't Duke, didn't Duke, like, go on to, like, the Final Four or, like, the Elite Eight or something? We, we didn't have the tournament. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're damn right. Damn, I completely forgot about that. I was like, we that didn't even have a tournament. Horrible. Damn right. Horrible. Now, baseball season. All of us have a vested interest. We love being at the dish. It's going to be different. Last year, it ended against Abilene Christian after a 14-3 start. Um, I texted um, Coach Pierce to try to have a better understanding of what this team may have. And I mentioned the word roster management is going to be an issue for all Division I programs. Um, kind of agreed to it. And it's uh, – what do you do? I mean, they are loaded with talent because a lot of these kids are young men we're granted an extra year like they have in all sports. Uh, Harge, 11.7 scholarships. How do you divide that up? How do you make everyone happy? And is 11.7 even in effect this year? So much. But first of all, before you even jump into that, that's so much bullshit. Well, like, I, yeah. I'm still on the fuck you baseball, like, like in general, of only giving out 11.7 that scholarships is for – 25 30 kids like so much bullshit <laughs> sorry yeah, go ahead, I, I, yeah i agree with I, agree, I agree with everything that you guys said the thing about this baseball team is not necessarily the 11.7 scholarships or who's on scholarship who's not it's the talent level in which these kids are you know you look at a guy like austin todd for him to be able to come back and and provide some leadership but it also affects some of the younger players don't forget, this was one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. And some of those guys, because the draft only went to five rounds, yeah. and they were only going to be allotted a X amount of dollars to pay free agents because they didn't want it to be unfair on a guy that they didn't draft. Like the Yankees would have more money than the Marlins and vice versa. It wouldn't have been fair for them to be able to go out and offer some of these guys later more money. With that being said, a lot of these younger players that got good pitching, they're going to have good hitting. They got a lot of guys returning. This team is going to be deep. But as deep as we think Texas is, 
every team in the Big 12. Texas Tech <laughs> is right there again. They're bringing back a bunch of guys. I got to do them uh, last year when they were playing here at the Round Rock Classic. They packed the stands every night during yeah, that, that, that series. It was unbelievable. So then you look at how are you going to have playing time for everyone? How Are we going to have guys going one or two innings like we saw in, uh, in the major leagues where they would have a guy that's a reliever start the game, then bring in the starter to do things like that? They're going to have so many options with arms that there shouldn't be a reason for them to be – Taxed. To be weak. Yeah, they should not be taxed at all this year. I'm excited to see what this baseball team is going to be like once it really starts. Tula Whiskey's getting another year with these guys at the plate. Uh, Eric Kennedy, who's one of my favorite players. Trey Faltini as shortstop. Trey His mama call him shortstop. Sammy. We call him Sammy. That's right. Is out there ready to play. And then you look at some of the players that left. There were some guys that ended up leaving, not for the draft, but realizing that their opportunities are not going to be what they thought. I, I, I'm really excited to watch this team play, and I hope Coach Pierce, with another year under his belt with these guys and everyone buying into what can be, I hope that they come out and execute and they get a chance to play the entire season. Well, let me pump you all up a little bit. I heard from a source this is the best roster we've had from, like, batting-wise from top to bottom, one to nine in the last seven, eight, nine years. So I, I, this, this could be something special this year. It's a solid team. You've got a lot of great pitching as well. I think it's going to be kind of like what you're saying, Harge, of, you know, running or and clinch running in these, these kids and letting them pitch an inning, two innings, three innings. You know, you got a 30-man travel roster. You got, you know, a bunch of bats that are going to be able to come in and you're going to get to play these. And, let's not, and it's during the Big 12. I mean, you're talking the standard three-game, four-game series, you know, midday games, midweek games, and, and you know, four-game series. So it's going to be – it's going to be solid. Curious to see how the fan situation is going to go um, and how that's going to transpire, if they're going to let fans in. I know baseball season tickets, have, you, sh- you know, we're starting to be able to buy today. You can't get new baseball season tickets. It's only – you had season tickets last year, so that's going to cut down on a lot. No, there's probably not going to be any tailgating. Um, but all in all, man, I'm, I'm, this, this team's going to be so good. So damn good. And I, I, to your point, everybody will be good too, but this is, you know, another year with Tulo at the plate. Shout out to Tulo, last day family member now. Um, and then Holla. Holla, Love. Saw, Love. saw that order come through like, Hey, what's up, Doug? Um, <laughs> so, so last day hat shout out, new baseball hats coming out. Check us out, you know, in February. Uh, but it, all in all, man, like it's, it just flows it, off the tongue nowadays. Fucking just selfless plugs, man. I'm selfless. We big time. Uh, yeah, I just think, guys, this this team has something has the potential to be very special. They were 14 and three, like you said last year. They were kind of catching their groove. They were, you know, some adversity. There's some games we got our ass. A couple games got our ass handed to us. We're like, what is going on? And other games we're like, yo, this is we're pretty solid. So all in all, I think it's going to be a solid season. It's just you know. We start out in Arlington. Those tickets that you just announced, you can get your tickets up, uh, head up to Arlington. You got uh, Old Miss at 11 a.m. or Mississippi State at, at uh, 11 a.m. in the morning on Friday. You got old, as, as someone called them, uh, pig, pig F word. Um, oh, Arkansas. 
Oh, Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas fans are the worst. They, I they saw are. one of them. They pushed. He pushed. One dude put his hands on and kind of just like shoved off this chick that I know, and I lost my shit. And after drinking, and ran over there and tried to just waylay, but I didn't do it. Well, shit. Um, and then the last game is three o'clock uh, against. God, who's the third one? But anyway, it's eleven, seven, and three for the showdown in Arlington. And then they, you got your game in Houston, and then you got A&M going to A&M this year. So They put together a nice little field of teams for that, that tournament in Arlington. Yeah, it was fun last year in Houston, too. It's a shame I can't go this year. I got the, got the sun being born in March. So, one, can't, can't go up and hang out with 14,000 people without a vaccine. And, two, can't be up there wasted. <laughs> and then my wife be like, hey, I'm in labor. And I'm like, hey, I can't make it because, one, I didn't drive, and two, I'm fucked up. So. <laughs> uh that's <laughs> that's fun so huge FOMO right now but super excited about the baseball program and and where it's going and and what this year could bring let's get to Omaha baby let's yeah. go that's uh you talked about it I think the big 12 honestly is going to take a big leap back to the baseball there's your news there's your news fucking Good night. That was so cheesy, dude. No, I'm serious. Like, Baylor. News you can use, baby. Baylor is going to be. News you can use. Skip Johnson in Oklahoma, they're going to take a big leap. They're a super regional type team, I think. And then They got good pitching. They got pitching. Yeah, they do. Oklahoma State, that new ballpark. Have y'all seen that? No. No. Oh, my God. Take a look, man. That thing has sweets. It has outfield seating, absolutely stunning. I've heard Kansas State has done a lot to their ballpark. And, it, you know, it was garbage for a long time. But, uh, yeah, so college baseball needs to happen. It, was, it ended abruptly, as everything else did in mid-March last year. And uh, David Pierce has got a hell of a squad. Hopefully we can talk to them at some point this year. Guys, how would you sum up as we say goodbye and a few words, your excitement for this baseball period? Uh, yeah, no, I'm super excited. This is going to be a great team. I was actually out at the baseball game when Rudy Gobert got, you know, caught COVID and then they shut down the basketball season and then everything just went to shit. So ready to get uh, get back out there and, and kind of, you know, just watch some baseball, man. I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy, especially with the University of Texas, like, we're a baseball school, so let's let's get to <laughs> yeah. let's get to Omaha. Let's get to Omaha. I'm excited about it as well, just because of some of the things that we've talked about through this last segment. But I'm more excited to the fact that we'll get a chance to be back out there again. You know, uh, like Mike said, Maybe. you're at the park. You're at the park, and then all of a sudden, well, I know this for a fact. I'm working the Round Rock Classic, and they're having fans at the Round Rock Classic. I know yeah. that for a fact. So rumor is, is like if it started right now, there would be no fans. Um, and well, I mean, hell, be. there ain't even fans at the basketball game for men's right now. But that's indoors. The five team, the number five team in the nation. So yeah, but that's indoors. Yeah, that's indoors. so they should have be that. able to do that. But I got you. As I look at this, I look at this team, the maturity, uh, the leadership, the guys that are coming back, and the lineup that will be put out there every single day. This team should be able to compete to go to Omaha. Yeah, we have a unique opportunity here in Austin, Texas. If you're not a baseball fan, this is a good time to jump on board, learn the history of UT baseball, and 
maybe get an opportunity to find out and feel the mystique of Dishfalk Field and check out this lineup and the bullpen and the pitching and really learn because this is a unique year in which there is a massive amount of talent at almost every position in that outfield and that uh, middle infield, extremely quick and athletic. Should be a fun year, guys, barring any injury, knock on wood. For Coach Mo, Big Mike, and Hardball Hearts, we out. Holla to play when you see him in the street. Holla at your mo. When I say peace, not a mistake. We good, player.